0: Hello, city ho. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be home. Uh, we had the opportunity to be in the Netherlands and minister there at a church and had a great time, but it was cold and it's good to be back home where it could be cold one day and rainy the next, who knows? But uh, it's great to be back. Great to be with you. I want to welcome the Mobile Campus, Foley, Baymanette, the guys at Holman. Thank you so much for choosing to be part of our worship experience this weekend. Uh, I, I want to tell you that last week, you know, there's a seven-hour difference in time, so we were able to stream in on the uh, this service last week. So incredible. The worship was phenomenal. Trey did a great job continuing the series. And, uh, man, it was just like I was with you guys, uh, and uh, so... All these guys that are online, uh, they're, they're, really, they're really getting good stuff, so it's just uh, amazing what technology can do today, and our team does a great job, too. Can we give our team a big hand? We've got a great group of guys. <clears throat> Next Wednesday is first Wednesday of February. I don't know where January went, do you? <laughs> it's like, wow. Uh, but I want you to come. Uh, uh, a ministry, a colleague in the ministry that we started supporting when we started the church. His name's Jim Mather. He's with Friends of International in Mobile. They're on the uh, USA campus. Uh, he was a missionary in Pakistan. He came here. Their, their objective is to reach the internationals who come into USA. I think it's like the fourth largest of internationals in, in our country. And so their, other countries send in their smartest and the brightest. So he welcomes them, greets them, Uh, hospitality, they're foreigners, Bill's relationship, and then they start asking about Christianity. He's led a lot of people to the Lord all over the world. Uh, Hopefully we're going to have some of the students here that have uh, met Christ since they've been here. You'll hear some of their stories, but I'm going to spend some time with Jim because Jim is, uh, he's, not only is he a passionate missionary, but he is also a a very prophetic man in understanding the season and the times we're in now, Uh, the Muslims, what's going on there, this whole refugee piece, how he's ministering to those people, what's going on. So we're gonna discuss a lot of that. So I think it'll be a good time for you to come out and be part of. Uh, I wanna continue this series, and if you wanna follow with me in Numbers 13 and then Joshua 24, I I, I wanna ask you this. How how many of you uh, have dreams and goals for, oh, okay, good, I was gonna say four people. Uh, m- most of us have dreams and visions and things we want to do. A lot of you are already doing those things. We, we talked in the very beginning of this series how, uh, you know, we- we're talking about going into the promised land, and that's our destiny, and we're blessed and have purpose to fulfill that. I want to continue that because let-, let me go back and tell you where we are. Of course, we're in the book of Joshua. He's brought the children of Israel through the Jordan, uh, through-, through the, uh, the-, the river, uh, the first battle they have to face are the, wall, the walls of Jericho. Uh, Trey talked about facing the wall last weekend. And, and we need to face the walls of our Jericho. And, and you may think, well, what, what makes up the wall of our Jericho? Because naturally we can't go back in time 3,000 years to that setting. Well, not only we're going to talk about what makes up the walls of our Jericho, but we're going to talk about what's behind the walls. So here's what I want to do. I want to take the current place we're in and I want to go back 40 years. So I'm going to roll back in Scripture, do a little backstory, And here are two guys, Caleb and Joshua, who are in the current story. Forty years previously, they're they're facing the Red Sea, just been set free from Egypt. Here they come, they're at the Red Sea. God has to do a miracle. Here comes Pharaoh, they go across. After they cross through the Red Sea, God tells Moses to pick a leader from 12 tribes and to go into the promised land and do a special ops mission. So he does, he sends them out, they come back. Here's their report in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit, because they they brought this big, massive grapes on the stick and all that. Uh, Verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That's where the giants come from. Now, drop over to verse 29 and it's going to list the, the, the people groups that are in the promised land. They're already living there. They're there illegally, and, but they're living there. The, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with him, the other 10, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. So the ten spies are literally, uh, they're in fear, they're shaking in their boots because all of the people groups, the tribes, the ites, and, 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 and the, the, they haven't even started a battle. They haven't even begun to, to go in, and now they're thinking about, let's just stop. And, and this cowardly report is better termed in the old King James Version. Uh, King Jimmy says it like this, we be not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. So here, here's what I want you to see. These 12 men had the attention of the nation out of of several million people. Now, it depends on what you read and where you read, anywhere from 1.8 million to 3 million people. Okay, so 12 men chosen out of a couple million people is impressive. So they're on a mission. Their selected group was was a, a notable honor and notable means to be significant enough to deserve attention or to be recorded. So all of the hopes and dreams and the desires of the people who have been in bondage to have their own promised land to be free and run through their dreams and their destiny, it, is, it rests on these men and their response to what they encounter in God's land of promise. So they're at least notable enough to be selected to the job and they were notable enough to be recorded in the Old Testament. And the only reason these guys were notable was, was because uh, they, they, they insisted we're not able. And if you notice the word notable and not able, they're spelled exactly the same way. There's just a different space between the T and the A. Notable, not able. So they have convinced themselves that they were not able to take their promise, and they're convinced the whole nation by throwing the nation into a, a mindset of panic. So the 10 men are the most noted, celebrated losers in the entire Bible. That's what we note them for. Because they refuse to face the giant, the walls, they refuse, they they, they clung to the lie, we're not able, we can't do this. There were giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb verified it. And yes, they were bigger and they were meaner and and more intimidating than probably any group of people they'd ever seen because they have been in slavery their whole life. So this intimidation, the ten spies began to see themselves not as men but as grasshoppers. Well, what about today? Well, everyone who wants the promise God has for you today You have to face giants, there's no way around it. However, the modern day giants have the two normal instinctive responses to people who want their God-given promise, so the response is the same. Here's the response, it's intimidation, that's what they do, and then the the intimidation brings forth feeling inadequate. So the moment they said, we're not able, they were toast. And, 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 And why were they not able? Because of their way of thinking. They were intimidated, therefore they felt inadequate. Now, I, l- let me tell you about intimidation and feeling inadequate, and th- this is a story, and I hope this doesn't give you the wrong impression, but I was about 10 years old. There was a kid next door that I grew up with. I've told the story before. I'm gonna go into a little more detail because I wanna tag the next week, too. So this kid was a big kid. Uh, somebody said, well, you're, you're pretty big. No, I, I was a stick, okay? I was a kid. Uh, I was a little bitty guy in and, and, uh, and, and size, but this guy was huge. I mean, he was a couple years younger than me, He was a bully, he was mean, he was hateful. And I knew one day it was gonna happen, but I I stayed away, I was intimidated. And then one day he did something to my little brother and that was it. So dad always said, if they're bigger than you are, take you uh, an equalizer. So I took a bat, (laughs) I took a bat. Now listen, I did not hit him in the head, but the octaves of his voice changed. He had a different walk, (laughs) a newfound respect. (laughs) Today, in the 21st century, there's a diverse tribe of giants leering and mocking adversaries that threaten our peace, our well-being, and our very existence. There are giant diseases, giant disappointments, giant depression, giant addictions, giant financial reversals, giant career setbacks, giant family breakdowns, giant personal failures. And this yes, you can even roll it into, oh yes, a heart attack, a loss of job, a spouse with cancer, fighting off a foreclosure. All are legitimate giants. But listen, what is the greatest giant of all? The biggest giant of them all is God. Every person has fought a giant, or you are fighting a giant, and they're huge. But sometimes in the process of fighting these intimidating, overwhelming giants, we we forget about God. God is the greatest of all giants. Joshua and Caleb knew this, and that's why they stood up and spoke against the negative words they were speaking. In other words, God trumps those giants. The panic rose with what the 10 spies said. Joshua beat Caleb to the punch. He spoke up and He said, oh, no, no, no. We need to go do this right now and occupy it. It's ours. We are well able to overcome this. They said, we're not able. We are not able. Joshua re- responded with faith. They responded with fear. The 10 didn't think that, that God could trump over the other giants or either they didn't think at all. And when the 10 leaders feared and panicked, the people fell in and they started following the fear and the panic. You can read the next chapter, 14. It says all the people cried out and they wept. Then they started complaining with Mo, against Moses and Aaron. And they said, here's what they said. Well, maybe it's better if we go back to Egypt. Now think about how insane that is. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back, let, 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 let's go back and die in slavery. I mean, it, it would be better if we just die in Egypt. God's bringing us in, into this land and here are these big people. and We're going to die by the sword. Now it's gone from panic to insanity, crazy thoughts. Joshua and Caleb step in, try to stop the insanity by giving the facts. They said, "Wait, wait, wait. the land is exceedingly good and great and God wants us to have it. And if he wants us to have it, he's going to bring us to the land and give it to us. It's ours for the taking and, and, and don't fear the people because they'll be like bread to us because God's going to take the, the protection off of them and the and, and Lord's going to be with us, don't fear. In other words, Joshua and Caleb had their focus on God, not, not, not on the obstacles, not on the people. The people, like people today, weren't really thinking at this point. They've gone from panic to insanity. They're simply letting their anxiety get further and further out of control. And the truth is, they wanted to be swept along in their panic and follow the crowd, and they didn't want to think or listen to truth. Or, be re- or they, didn't, they, they, they resented anyone who's trying to reason with them. And so what does this mob of probably hundreds of thousands of people do? Here's what they did. They said, all the people said, stone them with stones. Stone the giants? No, stone Joshua and Caleb. You see, when you when you face a giant, any giant, the first and most important response is to think. You, you have if you disengage your mind, if you kick it into neutral, you can't get traction. Well, why do I need to think? Why do I need to put my mind in gear? Because that's where you're going to think about what you believe in God, because what you believe in God is true, because he claims to have all power. If he doesn't, then you are defeated. He claims to be in absolute control. If he's not, then you, you can't, he can't protect you. He can't give you victory. On the other hand, if he does have all power, and if he is in control of everything, well, that changes every dynamic about where God wants us to go. So if you're going to take your promised land, you're going to have to fight the giants. But in order to fight, you first have to be strong in the Lord, strength of his might, what you believe in him, understand who he is. The 10 were not strong, Joshua and Caleb, they they were strong, and that's why we're studying this story 3,000-plus years later. Now let's go back to the current story in Joshua that we've been looking at for two weeks. Forty years to the day after the 10 spies refused to fight the giants, Joshua, now the leader, says, hey, it's time to move out, let's go. We are able to take the land. Forty years in the wilderness took a tremendous toll on Israel. Watch what happened. The ten spies and all of the generations over 20 years old all died in the wilderness during the 40 years. And Joshua says, wait a minute, it's time to take it. Joshua and Caleb are still there. It's time to take it, and we're going to take a new generation into the promise that has been promised to us so many years before. After 40 years of serving Moses, Joshua has served him. You understand, <coughs> Joshua, the peop- they don't understand anything about a promised land being free. Their fathers and grandfathers and great grandfathers, everybody's been a slave. Everybody's been controlled. Everybody's been manipulated. They don't know anything about freedom. And so here comes Joshua. He serves Moses, and then God promotes him to be the leader. And he says, you know what? We are not going to waste another generation. We're not going to waste another time and a season wandering in the wilderness. We are going to take this land. And so what did they do? They took the land. Listen to Joshua's philosophy of life. And Joshua 24, 15, the last part of the verse, here's his philosophy of life. And and, and this has been going on since he was set free from Egypt. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. He uttered these words. He's he's at the end of his life, but that has been the compass that has guided his thinking all through his life. What does that mean to us? It means we must change our thinking. If we're going to see God's promises correctly, we must get our thinking changed. We, we don't need to dress up our, our thinking. We need to change our thinking. Our problem is we see life as we are instead of seeing how God sees it. Why? Because we have filters. We all have filters. We can't help it because of life, because of life experiences, because of culture, because of home rearing, the type of home, all, uh, education. All of these things help make up your filters. So why, what we think determines who we are. Who we are determines what we do. Do we take our promises? It's yours for the taking. Our thoughts determine our destiny, and our destiny determines our legacy. Listen to this quote by James Allen. You are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. We must change our thinking, because it'll change our life. Nothing limits achievements like small thinking. But until you see yourself like God sees you, you will never change. God doesn't see you as this insignificant person, this grasshopper. He sees you as a champion. He sees you as a Joshua. And he wants to put you on the path to your promised land. And yes, there have been generations that have squandered their time and never reached it. And maybe you have family that has never reached it and they wasted time. But he's saying, now is the time for you to realize who you are in my eyes and that I have placed you in a promise and that I am going to make a champion out of you and you are going to take your promises. Let let me paraphrase what James Allen said, put it in my words. Your life today is a result of your thinking yesterday. Your life tomorrow will be determined by what you think about today. Today, you're becoming what you thought about yesterday. And whatever you tolerate in your thinking today will be part of your life tomorrow. So if you want tomorrow to change, you've got to change today. Today. Because when you get to tomorrow, if you've not changed your thinking, it's the same as yesterday. The number one challenge to making per- positive personal changes in your thinking has to deal with your feelings. Oh, how we are led by our feelings. Most want to change, but we don't know how to get past our emotions. We don't know how to get past our feelings. So what does that create? It creates the problem. What's the problem? The problem is we let our emotions rule us. We let doubt, we let fear, we let fear, we let panic. You know, have you ever noticed how everybody's happy when the money's in the bank and... Your mother-in-law likes you and she went back home and 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 kids are behaving good and life is good and everything's good but see when money's tight and the job's falling apart and the kids are a problem and 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 you get this thought everything's bad and you listen to too much negative news and everything's going wrong and then you say i don't feel so good why what's wrong you've talked yourself into a wilderness we talk ourselves into the wilderness and in that moment you have to choose Am I living my life the way that I am going to see God's truth come about? Am I living my life to be a champion? It's a matter of choosing to not let your emotions dictate. And and listen, there is a way to not let your emotions dictate and control your thinking. Let, Let me show you how. See, I must control my thoughts because my feelings come from my thoughts Therefore, I can control my feelings by controlling my thoughts. It's not if a negative thought's going to come. It's what do I do when negative thoughts come? What do I do when non-productive thoughts come? Well, you don't have to think on them. And, And here's how that works. If you're willing to change your thinking, you can change your feelings. If you change your feelings, you can change your actions. If you change your actions, you can change your life. But here's the bottom line. Here's the problem with us. Most of us are complacent. We're satisfied. We're satisfied being average. No, no, no. We, we, see, we need to be at least one notch above average to be champions in life. But complacency and indifference is killing us. Well, let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back. It makes no sense. That's not God's promise for you. Good thinking creates a foundation for good results. And I can prove it. The Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Something is not settled in your heart until it, it, unless it's first embraced by your thinking. The heart is a place where a conviction is settled and the mind is a place where you decide to do it or not. The mind is deciding, but when it gets to your heart, it's settled by your conviction. So if you don't get your convictions right your convictions can lead you wrong your convictions about who you are your convictions about your identity your convictions about how god sees you and god has plans and a purpose for your life if you don't get your convictions right then your wrong convictions will lead you in other words when we stop healthy thinking the potential for increase in our life dies i mean good thoughts produce good results bad thoughts produce bad results when we stop thinking taking ground, advancing, changing, growing, getting in our promises, here's what we do. We adopt the giant of maintained mentality. And that's the subtitle of this sermon. The giant of maintained mentality. Listen, the problems we face today cannot be solved on the same level of thinking we were on when they were created. Did you hear me? The problems you face today cannot be solved on the same level of thinking you, they were when they were created. Average people just want to maintain. I'm, I'm okay. I don't want to rock the boat. I just want to maintain. Just, just, I'll be okay if it's... I'm fine. I'm fine with the average. Just maintain. Unsuccessful people, all they think about survival. Let me get through one more day. Let me just survive one more day. Successful people, they focus on advancing. They focus on taking ground. Successful people have the attitude of Joshua. Oh no, the Lord said it's there, it's mine, we're going to go take it. So life is a battlefield. Anybody agree with that? Yeah, life's a battlefield. Some battles are chosen and some battles are thrust upon us. Most battles are fought and then won or lost in our minds. The outcome is almost always determined in the mind before one in the heart. That's what the writer said, as a man thinks, so is he. So to change, we must learn how to change our thinking. I'll show you what I mean. I'll ask you a question. Please don't answer this out loud. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a victor or a victim? How Do you see, do you see yourself as a champion or a loser? Do we look overwhelmed when we see obstacles or giants? When we see the task or the fight that's ahead of us? Do we go into panic? See, we must change how we look at self. Well, how do you do that? Well, let me ask you this. What do you feed your mind? Well, I'm not really sure. Well, listen to what comes out of your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth is in your heart. You see the spiritual metaphor of Jericho in that the walls must come down? Here's what it means. The strongholds of unhealthy thinking must fall. For us, for you to go into your promise, the stronghold of unhealthy thinking must fall. Yes, it's the Jericho stronghold that keeps me from taking the land. That's why it has to be a battle of faith, not some clever plan, not some super leader. It is won by faith, and that is obedience and trust in God. So from this story we've been looking at, we're going to learn how to defeat negative thinking. Now, everything I've said to you, Joshua has already learned when, when he gets up. I mean, he's in slavery, but he's had, he's had years in the wilderness. He's already learned all this he's, when, when, he, when he's standing there at this Jordan River. Forty years earlier, he had the opportunity to possess the land. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take it. They had a different spirit. What does that mean? They had a different way of thinking. The ten negative, we can't. They had a negative mindset. We're not able. Listen, when they said, we are not able, and millions of people followed that and said, we are not able, there is now no more faith. There's no more faith. It's gone. They lost the battle they never fought. They were defeated by an army they never engaged in. So what happened? By default, watch, they forfeited the promise that was their destiny. Oh, only God knows what our destiny is. Only God knows what he penciled in in his book of your purpose and your design. Only God knows. And we cannot by default lose it with a negative mindset. Oh, I can't do that. We can't do that because of this. So after four decades of negative convictions, this time Joshua remembered. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not repeating this again. No, the filters must be changed the filters in the minds of the people have to be changed to possess the promise. Well, how did that happen? Well, let, let me just kind of recap the facts a little bit, bring you up. Let me set it up again. All of a sudden, Joshua says, "Hey, we're going to take the land. He's heard from the Lord tell the priest take the ark, the ark of the covenant, step foot into the to the raging Jordan River. It's not a good time in the natural. We're going to do it God told us to, and then we're going to go take this city, this fortified city. In the city of Jericho are about 50,000 people. The city of Jericho was built on about eight acres of land. At the Malbus campus, we have 16 acres. Take half of the land at our Malbus campus and put 50,000 people on it. It is in the oldest inhabited city known to the world. Doubled walls. I'm going to explain the walls to you in this series. It is an incredible piece of art It's no wonder it's impenetrable. And so we're going to march around it. We're going to be silent and we're going to shout and the walls are going to be leveled. Joshua had about 40,000 men of war. He had priests who would bear the ram's horn and they would shout with the ram's horn. He had priests who would carry the Ark of the Covenant that was being carried on their arms or on their shoulders and then the men of war would follow them and then all the rest of the people, 2 million people, they're following them and once a day for 6 days, 7 times on the 7th day, they're marching around. That, that's the processionals marching around this city. So here's what I want to end this with. I want to show you principles behind the filters being changed. These people have slave mentality, they have wilderness thinking, and now they're looking at their promise, but there is an obstacle in the way that is massive, and God is leading Joshua to change the filters of the minds of his people. So watch the principles. Here's number one. Seeing the spiritual first. Joshua, does. first he sees in the natural, but then remember, he encounters the commander-in-chief. See what God has promised. See what God's going to restore. Joshua, I'm giving you this city. In in the natural, Joshua, I I see walls. It looks impossible, but faith is the power by which God speaks and brings things to pass. See what God has promised you, and I'm going to bring it to pass, Joshua, but I need you to see and then i need you to speak and believe so watch he saw jesus the commander in chief he heard what he said the plan and the strategy he believed he went to his leaders and told the leaders the plan then he told the people the plan so he spoke it to the people that's the spiritual here's the second principle obey in the natural obey in the natural they had a seven-day exercise of obedience why did god do that 13 times they're going around this thing. Why did God do that? Why this plan? Understand that this exercise of obedience took their victory meter, if you will, and increased it every time they went around it. So, the more they looked at face the walls and marched around the walls, their hearts started to change to think, we can take this. We're going to take this. Don't know how. They marched around the walls and the shadows of all these overwhelming odds, this huge building, the circumstances. Why did God make them start off with the hardest, the biggest, the the most difficult obstacle? Here's why. Listen. God wanted His people to gain experience with big obstacles. The bigger the dream, the bigger the promise, the bigger the obstacle. He, He wants us to experience big obstacles because the longer you look at the walls, the less overwhelming they seem. And here are these people with this negative mindset because they remember their fathers had died and perished in the wilderness because of small mindedness. They're not looking at the walls. They didn't even get that far. And so they're not changing their thinking. It cost them 40 years of their life and they didn't die in the promised land. Joshua said it's not going to happen to this generation. It's the same land, the same promise, the same God. The battle's not won in the wilderness. We've learned that. So we're going to stay focused on the God of the promise and we're going to obey. So he saw the spiritual he obeyed in the natural here's the third principle, they call the Holy Spirit the sound of the trumpets when the priest did that, that, that's a type and a shadow of calling the Holy Spirit listen, when facing my Jericho I need to hear the Holy Spirit walking the walls of my Jericho and my mindset and the strongholds that the enemy tries to stop me I need to hear the Holy Spirit every day, why? Because the Holy Spirit always says the same thing the commander in chief says. What does Jesus say? I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You just march on. So here's the principle: you got to see the spiritual, you got to obey in the natural, you got to holy call the Holy Spirit. And number four, this one is be silent. Now, this is the key. The walls are not going to come down unless you're silent. Well, why? Why be silent? if they did talk, they would complain. If they did talk, they would say, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. I don't know why we do church like this. I don't know why we have these times. I don't know why the music's so loud. I don't know why we use lights. I don't know why, 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 why. Hmm. I have to be careful right here. (laughs) What comes out of your mouth goes back into your heart to reinforce your convictions. One of the most spiritual things you can do is shut up. And somebody ought to say amen. (laughs) He's talking to millions. I'm talking to thousands. God is saying, allow my Holy Spirit to help you think on my faithfulness that will silence your panic. The more you worry and speak about worry, the more worry you feel, and not only you feel it, but everybody in your house that's around you. So when a thought becomes a spoken word, move to, you see, when I think something and then I speak it, it goes to a new dimension. I'll prove it. One guy out of 12 said, we are not able. Nine others agreed, and then a, two million people said, oh, yeah, that's it, we're going to follow that guy, the negative guy. God's saying, this time, shut up. Now, I, I'm going to be really honest with you. Maybe you don't do this. But there's times I tend to talk myself out of victory. Not, not out loud, but internal questioning. Internal questions and complaints. And, and, and I can talk myself into, you're, you're not able. We'd be not able. They needed the power of silence. Why? Listen to this. Because there was already something being something was already being spoken around those walls. What was it? Was it the enemy? Oh no, the enemy's inside the walls. What was it? Well, they were taking the Ark of the Covenant around the walls. The Ark of the Covenant is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. They needed Jesus to march around the stronghold every day. I need Jesus to march around the stronghold of my thinking every day. And what was in that physical Ark of the Covenant? Well, one of the things in the Ark of the Covenant is the Ten Commandments, which is God's Word. So people, I want you to be silent. I want you to shut up because my Word is saying something. So when you march around that wall and you're increasing your level of victory and you're building up your faith, you need to hear my word because my word says you can take the city. My word says the walls are coming down. My word says it's yours for the taking. My word says you will conquer your Jericho by my word. (laughs) Jericho fell because of God's word said it would. God's Word always trumps. So look at the principles. Watch this. See the spiritual. Obey in the natural. Ask the Holy Spirit. Be silent. And then shout. Now watch. Here's what they're doing. you got to get the picture. They've been in the wilderness. They've been in slavery. And here they are on this project one time a day, six days, last day, seven times i can see them on the last day now they're seeing in the spiritual they've been obeying in the natural the holy spirit's with them and saying just keep going they're silent they're they're silent they're hearing they're hearing they are so pumped up with faith watch they shout before the walls fall i mean Anybody can shout after the walls fall. God wants you to shout your promise before the answer comes. See, the shout was a confession of faith saying, God is giving me this city, God's giving me this promised land, God's giving me my destiny, and I'm shouting it and believing it before it ever happens. And Joshua won because he saw, listen, he saw Jesus at the battlefield, Remember the encounter with the commander-in-chief and Joshua lifted up his eyes and behold, a man stood there with a sword and, and, and Jesus is already there. He's already in the middle of the situation. He's already in the middle with the ark changing the mindset of people and when Jesus is in the middle of our mindsets, victory is given because our minds are changed. The giant of maintained mentality was leveled the stronghold of mental thinking. It's a a giant that that we just maintain mentality. That giant was leveled and they walked into their promise. Here's the visual I have for that. It's been, oh, 12, 13 years but I still have the visual, just like it happened yesterday. 2003-2004, 2003-2004, somewhere in there I was in Israel, I was in Jerusalem, I was with some other pastors in a hotel, a friend of mine that was there lived in Bethlehem, he knew I was in town, he came to the hotel to visit. He said, you, you want to go to Bethlehem, because you can't go to Bethlehem, it's on Palestinian rule, he lived there, so he had a pass. So it's, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock at night, yeah, I want to go to Bethlehem in the middle of the night. So we go and we go through all the Palestinian guards, and we get, then we get pulled over on the road a little bit in, in Bethlehem, we get a little harassed, and we, he pulls out the American. Uh, I'm American. anyway, all that. So we're looking around and showing, he says, "Oh, do you want to see do you want to see Arafat's headquarters that was bombed?" You see, year it was in 2002, so it's been a year or two years. I said, yes. It's night. We drive up to this place. Didn't get out of the car. I don't know how large, it looked like a city block. It was a compound, had a a, a block wall all the way around it, tall one, had a headquarters and had all these buildings in this massive place. I'll never forget it. Every stone, every block, everything was about this size and it was level. Completely level, like nothing had ever been there before. You could have literally walked across that place. First, I thought, whew, man, that was a powerful bomb. He said, people that live miles away, their windows blew out their house. Five miles away in Jerusalem, you could feel it when it happened. But here's, here's the visual that I have. Listen to me. And I wish you could see that. I didn't take a picture. I was before iPhones. (laughs) Here's the visual that I have. Your stronghold, your mindset, God has the ability to level it where you're not climbing over, you're not having to jump over, you're literally walking right through the obstacle that was keeping you from your promise. That is the power of the living God. And he is the ultimate giant. And what his word says, it will not return void. And his word spoken over you is so powerful. But his power and his authority to tear down those strongholds that are in our mind that limit us, he's saying uh, you got to get this spiritually hey you got to obey in the natural hey you you, you got to call on the holy spirit he needs to help you you got to be quiet you got to listen to me and oh by the way i want you to go ahead and shout for the victory before it ever happens i wish i knew i wish i knew just this much of what God's potential is in your life. Because I think if you had a glimpse of it, it would change your whole mindset. You're not a mistake. You've come out of Egypt. You've, You've come out of spiritual slavery you're a child of god you're a joint heir with jesus christ and he doesn't make mistakes and he designed a book and he had a book before the worlds were created and your name's in it my name's in it and our purpose and our destiny and listen i'm not going to let some obstacle or some giant stop me from that i am i'm not going to let myself be defeated i am going to keep on pressing through so that i can occupy exactly what he's called me to occupy Lord, thank you so much. We have no idea how great and how powerful you are. Our our minds are so limited in your greatness. And then we limit our own thinking about what you can do and what you can't do because of circumstances, because of life. God, open our eyes to see that what you have is so large and so incredible that only you could set it up and why wouldn't we expect giants to be there because the enemy doesn't want us to fulfill that because if we fulfill that then we're going to enlarge the kingdom of god and he hates the kingdom of god but we're called here to build up the kingdom of god so lord remind us in this message give us the heart of joshua Uh uh-uh, that promised land is ours for the taking, yours for the taking, yours for the taking. In Jesus' name, amen.